This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate. Then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com and join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count. Guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. It's hydrate time. That's right, with the Hydrate Spark Steel. If you're watching this, beautiful thing's glowing up like a rainbow. I mean, that's a fun that's one. It's fun. Just, it, hey, listen, an amazing water bottle. Uh, the, high, the, the steel bottle syncs with your free Hydrate Spark app and creates a personalized hydration plan that's specific to me or you if you're using it like customizable glow colors and 24-hour insulation it's cold for 24 hours order the new hydric spark steel today and get free shipping in the u.s go to hydricspark.com slash v-i-a-l-l hydric spark is spelled with an i so that's h-i-d-r-a-t-e spark.com slash v-i-a-l-l What is going on, everybody? How are you? Chrissy, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Getting closer with the the house thing. I'm very excited for you. I don't, it's not mine yet. I, you know how these things go. They drag out. They drag out. It's nerve-wracking. But it's exciting. We'll see. The anticipation is exciting. You're picking up someone from the airport today? I... I am picking up someone from here today. A guy? Yes. Is sex related? Yes. <laughs> like it's locked in. There's no like, we'll see how it goes. No. Yeah. It's in. Is it's it, locked in. Done. Is this like a... Got on a flight, came here. Coming for sex. Weekend. Fun. Good for you. I mean, <laughs> I like... I'll preface by saying I've known this person for like 15 years. No, shame. I'll know not to bother you. <laughs> yeah, don't text me. <laughs> Although we will be close to where you live. So if you see us walking down, you know. You've known this person for 15 years? Yeah. Are they a good friend? They are a good friend. What? what why not more? Because they live nowhere near me. Interesting. Yeah. I played a fun game with someone I've been getting to know kind of dating ish i thought it was interesting i'm real because i here here's the thing i i've been resistant to maybe exploring it more for other we don't we don't have to get into it we won't get into we it we don't get into it but then i thought to myself you know what i should you know you know how sometimes when you like know someone but then you're like i don't know if i know you yeah. kind of thing little things yeah, like I don't know if I've spent enough time with you that I know like where your toothbrush is. Or that. <laughs> I asked this person, um, I thought I'm going to take, I'm going to uh, text someone like, tell me three things you love and three things you hate. Random things. First, <laughs> first she replied, wait, about us, about me, about you? And I'm like, no, no nothing about me or us. Just random things yeah. about that you like or don't like. She's like, oh, good. Thanks for, I'm glad I asked. Because apparently the first thing she did was made a list about things she hates about me. Oh, <laughs> That was actually kind of funny. I mean. Good news is I made her tell me after she told me that I'm like, well, this, this none of this is new news. So yeah. I, You're like, everyone hates those things about me. <laughs> I hate those things about me. I hate me. those things about me. You know, it wasn't like, oh, why would you say that about me? Like, no, I'm nah, not. You the, are. Par for the course. I was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a fair statement. 
But it was also a fun game to to play. That is a for fun the game. people who are in relationships, give it a shot if you've been married for a while. And you know what I learned? Her favorite day of the week is Monday. Oh. Makes me concerned that she might be a psychopath, but at the same time, Why? What's your favorite I would day never have known. Favorite day of the week is Monday. What's your favorite day of the week? Not Monday. <laughs> but, but Monday's like fresh start. What new. she learned about me is that I hate cut fruit. Oh, like prepackaged cut fruit or Disgusting. just cutting fruit in general? Uh, if I, I, I will only eat fruit that I cut or I have to see someone cut it in front of me. If so you like hand me walking a f- into Whole Foods and seeing a container of cut up watermelon Disgusting. is your nightmare. In my fucking nightmare. <laughs> I, I, uh, That's if, so random. If I my, love it. If my mom, who I trust dearly, brought me like, oh, I just cut it 30 minutes ago and put it into a, like this airtight Tupperware. I just get the fuck. That's that, <laughs> disgusting. That's, that's a great But there's technique. little things in life that we love and we hate that are nuanced. And You and, watched I Love, I Love on the Spectrum, right? Yeah. That was one of my favorite things about it was like, they like such and such and such and such. And they hate loud whistles, chicken wings, and, you know, pears. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm related. It was great. You can relate. I don't. I feel like a lot of people in in any kind of relationships don't do that. Like you know things, but you don't. And sometimes even in relationships, we we kind of it's like oh, I know everything about them, and then we forget to check in because also things that we like and hate change. Yeah, I'll do that later. Although I think I can answer all those questions about this person, but maybe you don't. What are some three? Maybe ask him what are three things you've learned to love in the past six months or hate. You never try it. I'll report back. I never would have known her favorite day was Mondays. She probably never would have known. And I was like, what's your least buying a favorite fruit bowl day? was offensive. <laughs> I also love to hear the sound of people chewing food in movies. Only in movies. Really? Yeah. I'm not normal. But it's a fun game. <laughs> Random things that we love and hate. And that we were talking, I was like, I love, I hate folding laundry. She loves folding laundry. I love folding laundry. Uh, yeah, it was a fun game. It's a fun game. I like it. Anyways, happy sex We should start weekend. playing that with some of our guests. That could be fun. Maybe. Maybe. Good luck with the sex. Thanks. Um, I don't need luck. <laughs> we have a... Uh, a great episode today. Uh, it's a heavier one, um, but yeah. it's a conversation that I thought, uh, well, I guess I was interested in the topic and and Kevin uh, was kind enough to join us being someone who has an incredible story uh, of um, uh, of some low lows and some incredible perseverance on his yeah. part and some a man who uh, has some incredible perspective that... Um, is incredibly unique, and uh, we we basically have a a, a very rich uh, dialogue conversation about suicide. Yeah, and uh, he's a suicide survivor. Survivor. Thanks to a seal. Thanks to a sea lion. Yeah, crazy. But uh, I I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, obviously, it has a different tone, say, than last week when we were talking about cock rings <laughs> and um, things of that nature. But uh, we like to keep it like mixed having up. variety. But I, I do think that people will hopefully find this uh, insightful. I think it's a topic that we don't talk enough about, um, and uh, what it means to even to say whether you you've you've even had the thought. Yeah. And what that means, or is there like even a, a spectrum in that thought? So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, give it a listen. I hope you enjoy it. And um, other than that, I don't think, is there anything else? No. Give us some five stars. Give us some five stars. We love them. Uh, you have some more new episodes coming up of your. I do. Uh, t- tomorrow will be Daniel Malpe and get ready for next Monday. Vanessa. No, Tuesday. I'm sorry. Next Tuesday. Yeah. The Vanessa and Rachel Lindsay. Vanessa is, I think, everyone's waiting for. Everyone's waiting for that one. Uh, also, Jen Savion. Oh. Uh, recorded. From Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, all things about a relationship leading up to Paradise 
After Paradise, me telling her I was a bachelor. Very honest conversation. That will be coming out. That's pretty cool. In August, early August. Early August? People are going gonna... to... It's already late August. Maybe early September? October. <laughs> October. October. <laughs> So check that out on my <laughs> on my Patreon. Nick V talks trash TV. Uh, you're missing out if you don't check it out. Yeah. Um, uh, don't forget to send your questions at asknickatcastme.com. Cast with a K. And if there's nothing else, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Kevin. Kevin, thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you as well. Um, Chrissy. Uh, introduced me to uh you or and, and who you are and your story and uh, i thought it would uh be great to have you on and a chance to have a uh, what i assume is going to be a powerful and fascinating conversation uh with you uh someone who uh is a survivor of, of suicide is that a suicide survivor is that what we how do you refer that, that that's fair suicide attempt survivor yeah. uh, and a lost survivor. I've lost uh, nine people I love to suicide, uh, as well as attempted myself. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess maybe it's just the easiest way to start is to have you, you know, share your story and give a little background about your experience and kind of bring us up to speed to kind of where you are now. And then, you know, I'm sure we'll that'll bring up some questions I have and, and some just maybe we can have just a rich discussion around this topic and, um, yeah, let's see if it uh, might be helpful to anyone who might be listening. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, I, I always say I was born in pain, and that's uh, that's uh, why the Deadpool accoutrement, because uh, he was born in pain and so was I. Um, I was born in pain in the sense that I was born in squalor, uh, in Tenderloin in San Francisco, the worst neighborhood there then, worst neighborhood there today. Um I was born to biological parents who, after they had me, uh, sadly fell to hardcore drugs and alcohol, substance use disorder. And they, they couldn't uh, take care of me and my brother. And so one fateful day, one CD motel clerk made his most unseated decision, heard our screams and cries in his mind one too many times, and he called the police. And the police would come in that day and barrel down the door and take us into child protective services into custody and in the foster care system in San Francisco. And the system was in shambles, it was a mess. And kids were being let out to, at 18, aged into uh, homelessness without a penny in their pockets, or they were being abused by the very parents set to protect them, the very foster parents set to protect them. And my brother and I bounced around from home to home. We both got a vicious strain of bronchitis, he died. I immediately developed a uh, severe detachment disorder from reality and abandonment issues that follow me until today. I always say that uh, every time somebody in my life dies, uh, I, I feel like it's my fault and I can't shake that no matter how much therapy I do. Um, but uh, I bounced around from home to home and landed in the home of Peter and Debbie Muller. And they were a transitional home for kids. So this is a home where you come in and then parents, foster parents come to see who to take home and adopt. And one, one beautiful day, a lovely woman named Deborah Joan Hines walked in that door and she was looking for a little girl to take home, but she saw me sitting on the carpeted floor and, and she said that was the moment she fell in love in her journal of those days. And she went home to Patrick Hines and he said, let's do it. Let's take him in. He needs us. And they took me in. And for the first 30 days of being in Hines home, I was violently ill. I was very sick. Uh, doctor after doctor specialist after specialist, no one could tell Pat and Debbie what was wrong with their new-to-be son until one doctor came forward and said, Patrick and Deborah, it's all emotional. There's nothing physically wrong with your child, which was false. Um, my birth parents had been feeding me what they could steal. My first diet was made up of Kool-Aid, Coca-Cola, and sour milk uh, for the first few months of my life. And my gut-to-brain health was very, very poor. Thus, my mental health was very poor, even as an infant. I was a mess. And for the first 30 days of being in the Heinz home, I was so sick that neither my mom or I slept. Uh, and Debbie, my new mom, came in and she leaned over my crib and she writes this in her journal of those days, which is how I know this story. She leaned into her, my crib and said, Gio, which is my biological name, was Giovanni. She said, Gio, you're safe. We're not going anywhere. But if you don't knock this off, we're going to have to give you back. 
you know, um, and, and it was as if at that moment that my infant mind understood her because that was the first night we both slept soundly. And one thing was crystal clear when we woke up in the morning is that I was home and, and I was a Heinz. Growing up in the Heinz home was a beautiful thing. Compared to my infancy, it was magical. Unconditional love from the family, from the extended family, you know, what could go wrong from here was the idea. And then everything would at 17 and a half when I fell apart at the seams on a stage in front of 1,200 people. Nothing like being comfortable when you're sleeping and doing it. And yeah. by doing it, I mean sex. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> Helix Sleep is uh, doing amazing things when it comes to the place that you put your body on eight, 10 hours a day. Helix is an award-winning win mattress, the number one best overall mattress of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wire Magazine. And I can vouch for that because I'm sleeping on a Helix mattress. Yeah, you have it's the wonderful. medium one. It was also just super easy to shop for. I went in there. I filled out my sleeping kind of profile. You know, my, it was a, took a couple minutes. And then it gave me the mattress that served my needs. Are you a the medium sleeper? softness. I'm a side sleeper. I'm a side sleeper. So, you know, like I said, I took a quick quiz uh, and uh, let them know that uh, I'm a side sleeper and I, I, I prefer a medium firmness. They got a, a mattress for all your sleeping needs, all sorts of types of people. They have it. So I highly recommend it, and it's affordable, it's comfortable. Uh, I don't know why you would go anywhere else for a mattress. Uh, I've been sleeping on it for some time now. Truly a gift. So in the meantime, if you're looking for a mattress, go to helixsleep.com slash V-I-A-L-L. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Amazing news. This in Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash V-I-A-L-L. That's helixsleep.com slash V-I-A-L-L for up to $200 off. When we think about protein, we, we like to think about meat, don't we? We yeah, associate protein with meat. Protein but did you know meat? that you can have, if, if you are more plant-based or if you were trying to cut down kind of that type of protein, you can still get protein with protein powder and plant-based protein. And sometimes a criticism on that is it doesn't taste as delicious. For some for whatever reason. But I'm here to tell you that Truvani. I've been taking it. I've been getting those gains in. Getting the gains. Getting those gains. And it's been delicious and wonderful. And uh I and like actually tastes good. I I have enough of meat in my life, but I like getting the plant-based protein that I need. Uh it's flavorful, it's wonderful. Um it's not gritty or chalky not tasty. Gri no, it no, 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 like, no, no, no. Some no, of those no, people no. can some of those protein powders can be like that, and that's so gross. Organic pumpkin seed protein, organic chia seed protein, organic alkalized cocoa powder, organic vanilla powder. No gums, no weird fillers, nothing like that, which is really cool. And most protein drinks, they are loaded with weird chemicals, artificial flavors, and ingredients that you can barely pronounce. But when I looked at the ingredients in Trevina, I was amazed. I truly was. I had my yeah. sister take a look at it. She's like, you know what? I stand. There are only five ingredients in the vanilla, six ingredients in the chocolate, and they all taste great. No gums, no fillers, no weird flavors, just organic pea protein. Want to add protein to your diet? The best kind of protein, Trevani, is the healthy way to do it. Trevani uses only the best plant-based ingredients, plus it's USDA organic and vegan certified. So if you want great tasting, all natural plant-based protein today, Trevani has a special opportunity for my listeners. Get a protein powder gift pack, including a full-size bag, your choice of flavors for a full 50% off. 50% off plus free gifts from Trevani. This is a $99 value. Now, yours for only $29.99. To get the full protein powder gift pack for just $29.99 plus free gifts, text files to 64,000. That's text files to 64,000 for this amazing offer from Trevani. Text files, F-I-L-E-S, to 64,000. I had a complete paranoid delusion, the first uh, of many to come. Uh, I had been acting erratically before this. I'd been certainly unwell, but nobody knew why. I didn't know what was going on with me internally. I was just rapidly declining, spiraling downward. And there I was on the stage in a theater show called How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, playing a character called Gatch. And I look out into the audience and I believe that 1,200 people, not one seat was open, are going to rise, rush to the stage, and end my life. And I run off stage, I run to the lobby, and the theater director meets me there. And he calls my mom, 
And then very soon thereafter, I would go see my first psychiatrist. And that would be the beginning of, of my, I don't know, fall from grace, I guess you would call it. Because from 17 to 19 years of age, it was just this rocky road of manic skyrocketing into natural highs of bipolar disorder and then crashing into depressions every single week. And then at 19, I did the unthinkable and attempted to take my life in a way that is 99% fatal off the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, that's, um, that's, that's quite a story. And, um, you know, thank you for sharing. Cause obviously it's a, it's a heavy story and, um, you know, can't always be easy to, to go back and, and talk about it. I mean, to, I, I read up on you and it's fascinating to, you know, watch your movie and, and, and read some of the, the stuff you've written and, and some of the speeches you've, you've given, but you know, someone who attempted suicide by jumping off the Golden Great Bridge, which is in a bad way, kind of become infamous for suicide attempts. You talk about how after you jumped, you kind of had the thought of regret. And I just, it was, that was a very, uh, even just reading that, uh, a chilling kind of thing to read of what that might be like uh, as you're, the, the seconds it would take to fall. I mean, what could you kind of talk a little bit about that and, and what that experience was like? And just, uh, is there a profoundness from that, you know, having been lucky enough to survive? You know, I'm glad you brought that up. It was an instantaneous regret for my actions. The moment my hands left that rail, all I wanted to do was reach back. And, you know, I, I, I didn't get on a ledge to be talked back to safety. I was in, the, I was in free fall and, falling 220 feet, 25 stories and 75 miles an hour in four seconds. I just thought, what if I just done? I don't want to die. God, please save me. And I hit the water. And this is important to note around the world, people that have survived suicide attempts of all means have recounted instant regret like I have around the world. It is common. And I'll tell you why it's because in the moment that you think it's too late, you realize that your thoughts did not have to become your actions. Your thoughts do not have to own, rule, or define what you did next. They're just your thoughts. And if you can label suicidal ideation as just thoughts and not a takeover, not a death sentence, then you can survive that pain. But I didn't know that back then. I couldn't see the forest through the trees. I could only see the pain I was in. And I often ask people in my presentations, if they find themselves in excruciating physical pain, what do they want that pain to do? And you want it to stop. You want that pain to end or go away or stop. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I, I'm of the opinion that brain pain, what I go through mentally, what people go through mentally with these kinds of disorders are 300,000 times worse than any physical pain we've ever experienced because people can't see them. Thus they don't empathize and they don't understand and you feel alone. And, you know, uh, when I, when I hit that water, uh, the impact immediately shattered three of my vertebrae in T12, L1, L2. I went down 70 feet beneath the water's surface, but I opened my eyes. Now, I thought you died on impact. I thought, you know, you, you, you go over and that's it. I would read that somewhere. And in fact, you don't. In fact, there are tens of ways to die off the Golden Gate Bridge, and they're mostly slow and very violent. And I didn't know that. And, I, and I'm down 70 feet, and I opened my eyes, and now I'm drowning. And I didn't even comprehend or, or, or even think that by jumping in a giant body of water, I might drown. It didn't even cross my mind. And that's the nature and irrationality of suicidal ideation and, the, and how illogical it is. I frantically made my way to the surface. I couldn't feel my legs. And I bob up and down on the surface trying to stay afloat. Uh, but, but I'm not doing a very good job. I keep going down and swallowing salt water. My boots are waterlogged. My long sleeve clothes are heavy. I couldn't reach my inhaler in my left pocket. And I'm, I'm, I come back up for air one more time and I go back down. I think this is it. This is where I, I die. And no one is going to know that I don't want to. No one's going to know that I knew I made a mistake. And that's when something began to circle beneath me. And I freaked out because I thought, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I didn't die after going to get a bridge and a shark is literally going to devour me. <laughs> And I'm punching this thing, but it won't go away. <laughs> I'm freaking out. Well, I, I would find out a year later that it was no shark at all. 
I would find out that I, I was on a show called Primetime Live with ABC's John Quinones. He, he does that show, What Would You Do? I'm on that show, and I sat on the show. I thought there was a shark beneath me in the water. And people wrote into the show, and one man's letter stuck out above all the rest. His name was Morgan McWard, and he wrote in, and he said, Kevin, I'm so very glad you're alive. I was standing less than two feet away from you when you jumped. Until this day, watching this show, nobody would tell me whether you lived or died. It's haunted me until now. By the way, there was no shark, but there was, in fact, a sea lion. And the people above looking down believed it to be keeping your body afloat until the Coast Guard boat arrived behind you. So, like, the, what, the sea lion literally saved, helped save your life? It, it literally saved my life. That's I would incredible. have drowned if it, weren't, if it weren't for the sea lion. Now, I've read a lot of stories since this happened. I've seen a lot of videos about how animals save people's lives in, in great danger. And there have been leopards, and there have been tigers, and there have been lions, and there have been seals and sea lions and dolphins that save lives. Even, even a shark saved a person's life once. So it, it's fascinating to see where these creatures come into play in certain situations. Um, but, but, you know, for me, it was a miracle because, you know, and, and, and next to that, the, the whole day was a miracle because the woman driving by, there was a woman driving by at the moment of my attempt, she saw me go over the rail, immediately called her friend in the United States Coast Guard who happened to be manning the waters of the bridge that day. So the reason they got to my position in the water before I would set in hypothermia and drown a three minute window was because that woman made that phone call in the timely manner in which she did. And so Coast Guard are on their way. Sea Lion saves me. Coast Guard arrived. They put me under a flat board. And I'll never forget what the, what the senior officer said to me. He goes, son, do you understand how many people we pull out of these waters that are already gone? And I was completely conscious and aware. And I said, no. And he said, this unit alone has pulled out 57 dead bodies from these waters and one live one. And he pointed to me and that gave me a great amount of perspective. And it was in that moment, it was in that millisecond that he said that, that I knew no matter the pain I was in, I would never do anything like this again. It would be hard to, to make that a reality because I live with chronic thoughts of suicide, regular thoughts of suicide, but I made a pact with myself, frankly, my faith and, 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 and my family that I would never attempt again, no matter how hard it got. And I would be in nine psych work stays in the next 14 years because of suicidal ideation. So it wasn't easy. Um, it isn't easy. Um, but, but every waking moment that I get to exist, I'm grateful. And I take no one and nothing for granted today. Like I used to before I jumped because, you, you know, I, I I'm eternally grateful for every person I get to meet because I almost didn't get to like, like seeing you guys right here is important to me. It's crucial. I'm, I'm appreciative of every place I get to go because I almost couldn't everything I get to do because it almost didn't happen. Um, and you know, it's, it's been a gift to been to have been given a second chance at this life when 99% of those who've done the same thing I did don't get to tell their stories ever again. Yeah, that, that is incredible. I mean, just, just the manner in which, you know, your story and jumping and I just keep going back to like that four second fall again, what that, what that must have been like. Do you, do you relive that moment? And you know that, how vivid is that memory? It's, uh, it's as crystal clear as the moment it happened. Oh. Um, I sometimes have nightmares about it. Um, the nightmares you know, we're, we're, we're worse right after it start right, right after it happened. I would have nightmares every night to the point of waking up in a cold sweat or a hot sweat where I would just be falling off the bridge, falling off the bridge, endlessly falling. And then the water started getting closer and closer to me as, as, as time went on in real life. And, and now, now that I would call them more like dreams because now I fall off the bridge but the water's right there, like you'd be going into a pool. Um, so it went from it went from terrible nightmares to waking up in cold sweats and hot sweats to dreaming about not something so potentially fatal. Um, but there are times when I'm awake, when I flash back to falling, and that that's hard uh, because it's it's just it's, it gives me a shock, you know. 
and it's um it's palpable it's visceral it's 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 almost painful yeah um nonetheless i continue to move forward you know my wife is my greatest advocate my father is my second greatest advocate and and i move forward and i try to my, my goal is just to is to share my story as much as I can to help other people. But yeah, so th that's it's amazing to hear in terms of you taking this experience. And I guess I'd love to talk more about that in terms of, you know, taking this kind of tragedy that you experienced and thankfully survived um, and the work you're doing now, because, you know, even our conversation when we talked with, with Tall about just the rise in, in, in suicide, you know, especially in the... Uh, with the youth and people like in their teenage years with the age you were when you attempted suicide, whether it's depression, social media, all the things that are going on, um, you know, it can feel like a heavy world uh, with the pandemic that's going on. And, you know, what are some of the things that you share or are, are, are just kind of put out there to, um, you know, fight this kind of almost epidemic in itself that we, we face when it comes to, you know, people attempting suicide? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the biggest things I share is a, 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 the 10 step guide I, I built for myself to stabilize mentally. So I would say today that I'm, I'm mentally stable to the best of my ability. Doesn't mean I don't still have symptoms. I absolutely still have symptoms, but of my diagnosis, but I stay well most of the time through those symptoms. Where I'm able to bring myself back to them because I'm self-aware which is hard to be with this kind of a disease. I have a severe form with psychotic features, but it's, 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 I believe it's totally attainable. Uh, and so I give out a, a 10 step guide called the art of wellness. And that's on my YouTube channel, which you see here. Um, that's it's, it's, it's a 10 step guide, 12 videos, 10 steps, three to five minutes each. on how to better balance your brain, mind, behavior, mental health, and well-being. It includes things like exercise, eating healthy, and education as to your diagnosis. It includes things like coping strategies and mechanisms to better your brain health. It includes things like refraining from drugs and alcohol, meditation, medication, which doesn't work for everyone but works for me, uh, and, 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 and several other tools and tricks to, to better your brain health. They're all science-based, evidence-informed. We know that one of the biggest reasons people get better from mental instability is because they've implemented a very strict and stringent routine into their daily life. And it might seem monotonous. It might feel boring, but I, I, I free myself from that routine on the weekends with my wife and I, and we enjoy the weekend and we do things that aren't necessarily part of the routine, but Monday through Friday, I'm on that routine uh, and, and sticking to it because uh, I know it's going to keep me on track. So that's one thing. Uh, another thing is uh, my wife and I have a foundation called the Kevin and Margaret Hines Foundation. And we do a couple of things. We, we give uh, free therapy to eat, uh, teletherapy to, to kids who otherwise couldn't afford it. Um, we, we do a, a program, a film program called Directing Change, which is where high school students from around the country submit their suicide prevention PSAs and they win awards like you would at, a, at like an, you know, not akin to an Oscars, but it's, it's for suicide prevention, if you will. Um, and then they win scholarships. Yeah. And so I'm curious, and you know, you've talked about obviously your childhood and, and it's kind of traumatic upbringing and then um, the events that you had as a 17-year-old and your diagnosis. It's, 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 it's like as far as suicide out there, I mean, are, what are the studies, if you know any, like in terms of, I guess it's more like for the person who hasn't been diagnosed with anything or seemingly woke, you know, was raised in this kind of, uh, didn't have a traumatic childhood or, or, you know, things like that. Or someone like myself who, I mean, listen, I, I talk with friends. i think about suicide. I don't, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I have never planned to, you know what I'm saying? It's sometimes I almost like reluctant to say it cause it's not like a cry for help, but like sometimes when I'm down, the thought of it crosses my mind. Is that a slippery slope or how should we become more aware of our thoughts? Does that make any sense in terms of the people, yeah. you know, where I think some people think they would never consider it until they are considering it type of thing. Uh, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of, of 
of intrusive thoughts uh, of suicidal ideation that occur in different people. Yours sounds more like it, when, when you're having a, a down day, it crosses your mind, but it's not something you're willing to do. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't, like, I'm not worried about it. I don't, I'm not, yeah. I don't consider myself yeah. to be, be suicidal, but have I, 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 I think about it all the time. Like the, yeah. the, the thought of it, but never, never like, oh my, of course I would never kind of thing in my head. That's, um, and I wonder if people ever start there and go down a different path. Certainly. And there, there are people, you know, I, I, I had a call a few years ago with a friend of mine who called me and said, Kevin, you know, I wasn't thinking of suicide. I haven't been thinking about it for a long time. And then I stood on the balcony of my hotel room and I just couldn't stop contemplating going over. Um, and I said, and, 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 she, and that's where she was in that moment. I said, well, step back from the balcony, close the doors, and let's have a chat. And so there's all kinds of different ideations and levels of ideation that occur. As long as you can, you can in your situation, you can go, I'm never going to do that. It's just something that crosses my mind this many times or that many times. Um, that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a slippery slope. But, but, but to be fair, for some people they think about it every day. They think about it all day long and they're just fighting tooth and nail to be here tomorrow. Um, and, 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 you know, that's a big juxtaposition from what you're going through, but it doesn't make what you're going through or what you experience any less important, you know, uh, or any less, any less crucial. So you have to just be aware that you have those thoughts and and you seem, you seem like a pretty self-aware guy who can go, not going to do that. Never going to do that. Just something that keeps crossing my mind. Um, and as long as you are rooted in that, that, you know, you're safe and you kind of, maybe in my opinion, if I were you, I would inform someone that loved me that those thoughts are crossing my mind just so they could be aware with you. So you don't feel alone in that moment. That's just my, yeah. I mean, I, I talk about with friends and and people and, and again, I don't want to I, it's it's weird because I almost feel uncomfortable saying that as if like oh <laughs> yeah. my god you know um, but it's just something that like I do think about and I do talk with friends not and again just to I'm like do you ever think about this stuff like is a yeah. is a way of, like does that am I weird like is that like a you're thing? not does, weird does, it, does everybody yeah. is there like is there like something you've done Kevin where like you find that every single person has thought about it at some point in their lives. Yeah. Like I envision how I would do it. (laughs) No, they're not. They're going to execute it. But like, like all people kind of like have had that thought at one time. Yeah. I don't know. Millions around the world have had those same calm. I would call them ideations and millions around the world have had more serious ideations. And then millions around the world have, have had thoughts or actual attempts. And then the rest and, and then there's millions that have died. So you, you have a, you have levels to this stuff, and you shouldn't feel weird about, about talking about it because it, that that's how we break the discrimination and the marginalization against those with mental health crises. Is we is we do talk about it, and you you giving me this platform on your show to talk about this, and you being open and honest about what you go through, it's absolutely going to help your listeners because you have a lot of listeners, you have a lot of watchers, and. That's going to, that's going to, there's, you're going to get notes after this, after this podcast from people that, you know, will really appreciate your, your, your truth talk about this topic because they are feeling the same way. When you tell your story, people tell you theirs. I'm sure you know that by now. Um, And, 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 you know, I'm really grateful that, that we have this opportunity here today. Yeah, no, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on and, and talking about it because it's weird because it's one of those things um, where, you know, you, you know, like the way I feel sometimes, you know, you're, you're here sharing sharing your story, Kevin, and I'm just like, I think about, well, I've, I'm so fortunate, I'm so blessed. Uh, Kevin's been through so much. You know, you talked about the your diet as a very young child and uh, – you know, I've, I've never had a, I don't have to deal with bipolar, um, you know, is, is, is it considered a disease or, you know, bipolar depression, depression. Bipolar. I've never had to deal with that. I don't have to take medication. And so I feel thankful. And so then when I, I follow up with a thought of like, well, I still sometimes get down at myself or I think about this and like, it crosses my mind. I feel like, well, I, I it's almost, um, 
like a pity party I feel like I'm having. Yeah. You know, like it's almost like I'm not justified to f to think about it, so I don't like acknowledging it. Does that make any sense? So I would say what you're saying makes sense, but I'll say this. Um, your your feelings and your pain, if you will, is no less than mine or someone someone else who's had a more extreme situation. It's just different. It's just different. Whatever you're going through to bring you to those thoughts, uh, it, it's not a pity party. It's not something that is less than what I've gone through. It's just a different situation from a different person with a different mentality. And that's okay. And I think normal that, that's what, where the end comes in and normalizing the conversation because it has to normalize all the conversations. Mm -hmm. Yours, mine, Chrissy's, everybody who's gone through mental struggles, everyone that's thought of suicide. Because for everyone, it's different. Um, and, 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 and my story on this podcast is going to reach some people in some way, but my story is not going to reach everybody. You, what you just shared is going to reach some, some people that are going through exactly what you're going through, and it's going to touch them in their heart, and they're going to be like, hey, I'm not alone. So you're not alone, they're not alone, and, and this is just something that I'm, I guarantee you people will appreciate. Uh, we have a lot of uh, parents listen to this podcast with young children. Uh, I'm assuming you've talked with a lot of parents about signs, things to look out for. Um, you know, you hear these stories about someone's child commits suicide and they just wish they knew or wish they were more, they saw the signs, things like that. What are things that we can try to look out for and, and um, be there for our kids? Uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm assuming, and I'm not a parent myself that for the, for the people who have dealt with this tragedy. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had it be a part of, you know, without giving too much detail, my family and, and things like that, where it's just like, you never would have guessed. And I'm in this thought of it being too late. You know, what are, what are some things that you can advice you can give for the parents listening uh, about how to try to just look a little closer, be more, more in tune in, in conversations they can have with their kids. So to parents listening, I would say, Watch out for, for dramatic changes in your child's uh, appearance, dramatic changes in your child's attitude, um, in their speech pattern, uh, and in their sleeping habits. Uh, and, and, and don't shove everything off to, you know, oh, that's because they're going through puberty or adolescence and their body's changing, it's all hormones. And don't go and don't, and don't show them off to, Oh, it's just a phase. If your child starts acting different in any way than they used to be up in their grill about what they're going through and let them know how much you care, how valued they are, how loved they are every single day. One of the things I notice when I travel around the country to go to high schools and, and grade schools is that there's a lot of kids whose parents don't say I love you on a regular basis and don't say, you know, I care about you and I want you here. And in today's day and age, we are, we are dealing with young people who have a lack of resiliency. We have a massive lack of resiliency in our country today and of our young people. And they're dying at an alarming, an alarming rate by suicide. I'm of the opinion that every fourth grade child should be taught suicide prevention and mental health at a comprehensive level to their, to their ability to understand. I'm of the opinion that every parent before they become a parent should be taught about suicide prevention before the baby comes out of the womb. I'm of the opinion that we need to better our education system for both these topics, suicide prevention and mental and brain and mind behavior health for, the, for a younger audience, because by the time they turn 16 and 17, and their best friend becomes suicidal and tells them they're thinking of suicide. And the best friend says, don't tell anyone. And they don't tell anyone. And then that person passes away by their hands. And then this person feels guilty for the rest of their life. We could have avoided all of that if we just taught them from the very beginning of their comprehension levels. The moment they can comprehend what suicide is, what mental health is, they need to be taught about it so they can defend upon it. Um, and I think that if you're going to be... I want you to be vigilant parents in the sense that you're going to ask the tough questions. You're going to re-ask those tough questions. You're not going to accept the first answer as fact. You're going to dig and dig and dig until you get to the bottom of it. 
And I think we need to, we need to be parents that, that monitor um, certainly what our kids are looking at, looking at online in a way that's more strict and more stringent if they're, if they're under the age of 18. Um, and I know that's difficult. And I want to be clear. There's a lot of people that blame social media for, for these suicides, and that's not entirely the case. It's very easy to do. It's an easy target. Um, it's not so much social media that causes these issues. What it is is what people are allowed to look at on social media and what they're, and what they're finding and how it's affecting them uh, without any comprehensive look at why bullying online is irrelevant or not or, or shouldn't matter to you because it's just it's just an outside source looking in when you have to have strength within to look to come out for that resilience that we need to build. We we have forgotten to teach our kids how to have resolve. And if we don't teach our kids how to have resolve in the face of pain, how can we expect them to survive that pain? Um, so 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 I I think that social media is not the culprit in 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 suicides. It's just a causative factor if we allow it to be, because social media can be used for great things. It can do a lot of good. This, this podcast is going to live on social media and it's an educative awareness focused, positive podcast. It's going to help people. So, so obviously we can do great good with media, with the with different forms of media online. Um, and it's a matter of picking out which ones we allow our kids to be able to see. Yeah. Um, do you, and I'm just listening to you talk. I mean, and I think you kind of elaborated, but just to articulate the point, I mean, it's almost as if you're saying, and I feel like this is the case where we don't talk about suicide enough or just acknowledge its existence. And if we do, I think it's very common for people just to assume, well, that, you know, I would never do that or my kid would never do that my kid isn't bipolar or we associate it with someone who might have experienced a very specific and very difficult tragedy and again you know their you know their child might experience like this drastic change in their look and they may be just be unaware and we just don't know it's just almost like this would never happen to my kid or this would never happen mm -hmm. to my friend until it's almost too late kind of thing where we just have to yeah. acknowledge that it's uh, it's something that can happen and can happen to anyone. Let me be clear. It is the any kid and the every kid and the any adult and the every adult that could die by their hands. It doesn't matter what you've, what you've been through in the past. It, it, it doesn't always matter that if you've had a traumatic life, uh, there are situational depressions that can come upon someone's existence and literally destroy them. You know, look at look at a, look at all the the Fortune 500 individuals who have lost it all in the stock market and then taken their lives. They weren't going to days prior to that experience. Then they did lose everything, and they decided that was their identity, and they couldn't they couldn't live. Or the individuals that are sadly going to go uh, to do a bid in prison or jail, and they can't they can't they can't uh, allow that to happen. They take their lives. Um, or the individuals who lose a loved one to cancer and that loved one was their everything and their every person and they take their lives. Uh, they would never have thought of that before this ultimate situation, but after the situation, they comprehend it. So there, there, there could be this break in sanity and this break in their reality that allows them to ponder suicide or even attempt or die. And I think that um, we need to be uh, cautious, aware and recognize that it can happen anyone, anywhere, anytime. What we need to do is if they can't reach out, like I couldn't reach out when I went to the Golden Gate Bridge. I was on a bus with hundred with hundred people, hoping, wishing, and praying that one of them would ask me if I was okay or something wrong or, I, or they could help me. And I would have told them everything, but I couldn't say the words aloud myself. And I'm crying on the bus profusely, waterfalls flowing from my eyes, and nobody said anything except what the hell's wrong with that kid. And if we're going to be a society of kind, giving individuals, which is what we need to be, we have to be willing to reach in to someone in pain, potential lethal emotional pain, visible pain. And we have to reach into people who don't look like they're in trouble. We have to ask those questions to people who just, to, just who we're curious about, you know, our loved ones. 
because it can happen anywhere. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, I don't know, interesting discussion. And I mean, it's, um, that's, that, I guess that, like you said, just, it could happen to anyone and just being aware of it seems like such a, a big step. And I think, you know, thinking about it, listening to you talk, I mean, you're, you're obviously your story, you're a survivor of, of a suicide attempt. And just to hear, it's like both heartbreaking and inspirational to listen to someone who's a survivor, heartbreaking in the sense for other people who were successful in their suicide attempt, inspiring for the people who have survived it and their kind of newfound appreciation for life. And, you know, and that's the, the, the tragedy behind it, because to hear someone, you know, survive it and realize that they are glad they weren't successful, that when you, as soon as you jumped, you immediately regretted it. Like, how, how can we get to that point where we save more people prior to these attempts? Because a lot of them do regret it or, or, you know, the, you know we only hear it for the ones that do survive, you know? And so it's, that's, I guess that's heartbreaking. Um, and uh, something I'm thankful we can, we can talk about. I've worked in the field for 20 years and people say I'm not supposed to have that guilt factor, but I still do. You know, every time someone I love dies, I, I still feel like what, what could I have done? It's a natural question to ask yourself, but you have to recognize in that moment that uh, their actions were not your fault. They didn't die because of you. They didn't die in spite of you. They died because of that lethal emotional pain that had nothing to do with you. And if you can, if you can understand that, you can find a way to move forward and honor their memory. I know that firsthand. When I become suicidal, it is a it is a grip that does not want to let go of me. It is overwhelming. It's overpowering. It's mind bending, and it brings me to my knees. Um, but the first thing I do when I become suicidal is raise my hand and say to the person in front of me, four simple but effective words, I need help now. And I'm willing to do that every time. If we can get more people willing to do that, you'd be surprised how many great people there are out there who are willing to help. Um, I haven't, I, I've done that, I, I must say, hundreds of times. And whether I am with someone I know and love or I'm with someone I don't know very well, or I'm by myself and I just turn to the person in front of me, um, it, it's not always the first person that is willing to help, but I've always found someone willing to sit with me and be there with me in my pain and help keep me here. And I think we have to give people um, the benefit of the doubt that, 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 that they are going to be good in the face of that struggle, in the face of that, uh, that kind of pain. You know, uh, every time it's happened to me, um, I've been able to live because someone has come to my aid. So we're not alone. Well, that's, uh, I mean, obviously great to hear. And, and, um, you know, those are, you know, strong words. Uh, I need help now. Uh, and I think, you know, whether it's experiencing those dark thoughts or, or, or not something as serious. I mean, I think sometimes we are afraid to ask for help or admit our vulnerabilities or admit, um, out there that we we struggle with whatever our problems whatever our, our help whatever help we need um and um it's uh it's encouraging you encouraging for for to hear you say that and, and put it out there and even recognize that um you know someone who like yourself who survived it who swore to never do it still struggles uh and something that you still and to this day you know deal with and, and put out there and and challenge yourself to constantly ask for help when you need it if I had passed away when I did, so many people's lives would be so much different. Um, and then it just goes on forever as I, as I grow older. And this will be my 20-year anniversary of my attempt off the Golden Gate Bridge on September 25th. And, and I'm going to celebrate it like it's my birthday because I get to be here. And getting to be here is a privilege and a gift no matter the pain you might be in. No. I mean, I'm, I'll celebrate it with you, man. And, and happy... What are you calling it? A happy birthday? <laughs> Is it a, like, what do you? Yeah. It's, I think it's a rebirth. Rebirth. rebirthday. Yeah. Happy rebirth. I mean, I would, I, I mean, I'm not even a big fan of birthdays. I would celebrate the shit out of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
have have you been i mean well i know you have because i've seen you know some of your your content but how often do you go back to the golden gate bridge and and um i know you've you've even done a lot of work you've been a, a big influence on do they now have suicide barriers at, with the golden gate bridge i know they're building them they're building them right now so let's talk about that as of uh january 2023 not one more beautiful soul will ever again be lost to the golden gate bridge and it will effectively become the largest and brightest beacon for suicide prevention all around the world. You know, when the Golden Gate Bridge puts up a net, it's going to be the standard for all bridges. And, and right now, the Bridge Rail Foundation is receiving letters and requests on how to build these things in, in buildings, tall structures, and bridges all over the world. That, so. that, that's fantastic. And I think, I want to say Malcolm Gladwell talked about this in his, his book or something in terms of there were like the the critics for you know even putting up a net or something like that where it was would it would it almost um create more like bring more attention to it or would they just find a different means or things like that and it was staggering i and i'm forgive me because i don't remember the details but it was overwhelming that the the nets were a clearly a positive thing and that they yeah. literally saved, you know, all these lives and there was really no justifiable reason to not do it. My, my point in all this is when you lose perspective, try to stop, pause, take a breath, take 10 more, take 30 more resonance breathing and just understand that your thoughts do not have to become your actions. You don't have to die. It's not a death sentence. It just means you really have to fight for yourself, ask for help, and ask for help on a large scale. And if the first person you meet isn't willing to, continue to ask for that help until you find someone willing to empathize with your pain. Because there's somebody out there that's going to make sure you're safe today. Well, I think those are, are, are great thoughts to end on. Um, and uh, Kevin, I just want to thank you for sharing your story and putting it out there and having this conversation with me. And um, you know, for those of you listening, thanks for, 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 for doing so. Um, and yeah, I guess just normalizing the, uh, the, the reality that this is a, a problem that we, we deal with in our society and there's ways to, to fight it and, and save people and just have conversations with our friends and loved ones and, and be okay with asking for help as, uh, hopefully, uh, uh, our kind of takeaways from from this conversation so um i really appreciate you taking the time kevin thank you so much for having me on and i really appreciate your time and i'm grateful to be a part of the show for sure um where can people find you uh for anyone who might be listening who wants to uh, reach out need some help um any information i think that you could share right now would be be great absolutely the best way to find me is youtube.com slash kevin hines i answer all of my comments um, so please find me there, uh, subscribe, hit the bell. There are 400 plus videos there, all designed to help people with their brain, mind, behavior, health, and mental well-being. They're all educational, entertaining. Some are funny, uh, some with, uh, some YouTube celebs. There, there's a lot of stuff there to help as many different kinds of people as possible with as many different mental struggles as possible and recovery from addiction specialists are on there. Um, we've got a whole litany of videos that are made for you today. Uh, and we make them with the best science-based evidence-informed information to help you actually change your life. So uh, they're both fun and, and helpful. So check that out. Um, you can reach me on Instagram at, at Kevin Hines Story. Um, and same, same on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and I'm a, I'm a pretty reachable person. It takes a while to get back to everybody, but I will get back to you. Well, um, that is awesome. And um, again, thank you for, for taking the time and um, sharing your story. Uh, congratulations on everything you've done and your continued success. Um, and um, yeah, thanks. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, you too, buddy. And thank you guys uh, listening. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully you found this interesting, helpful, informative, whether it's for yourself, a loved one, or maybe for someone in the future. Uh, don't forget to send us uh, your five-star reviews on iTunes. Uh, anything else? There's a Patreon out there where I, I talk to my exes, and it's super fun and entertaining. A little bit lighter than this, but hey, <laughs> uh, check, it, check us out. Uh, the, the link is on my Instagram. And if there's nothing else, we will see you on Monday. 
When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stenge Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. 